series on suffering as a Christian and in the previous teaching we had a look at what the Apostle Paul taught on the subject. Um, we're asking the question in this uh, section of the teaching is uh, the question is are we called to suffer um, as Christians, as believers? And uh, we had a look at what our Lord Jesus taught on the subject and we've had a look at what the Apostle Paul taught on this same subject. And today what we want to have a look at is uh, the Apostle Peter's uh, version and then also what the Apostle John wrote. But before we do that, um, I just want to touch on one more scripture that the Apostle Paul referred to because it is pertinent to the subject as well. And we can pick it up in Psalm 44, beginning at verse 15 through to verse 22. The scripture says, My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me, because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the place of jackals, and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God, or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So this is a prophetic uh, scripture that is given pertaining to the children of Israel, the Jews, um, at the end of the age. This is a, um, a picture of the intense persecution that that nation would experience under the reign of the Antichrist when he sets up his reign from the temple for that three and a half year period. The Jewish nation will go through intense uh, persecution. Those who have come to faith in Christ uh, during that time. And so this is, as I say, a prophetic account. And so we see that even though uh, the Jews at that time will be serving the Lord and be faithful to his covenant, uh, for the scripture says, if we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search us out? Um, and yet they, would still, they were still going to be incurring severe persecution. In verse 22, the scripture says, Yet for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And so, again, in verse 18, Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your, your way. In um, verse 17, All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. So the Jews will be serving the Lord very faithfully during that period, um, because they would have come into uh, faith with, in Christ as their Savior. But nevertheless, um, they were still incurred tremendous persecution. And again, the scripture says, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now, what the Apostle Paul does with that particular passage of scripture is he brings it across to the Gentile church as well. And he, we pick that up in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 37. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed 
all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so the Apostle Paul picks up that same passage of scripture from Psalm 44, and he uh, brings it into the church age that we're in right now. And he um, places the Gentile church into this category. For he says that we, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, and we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And so he, he brings uh, that into context from the point of view of the church is appointed to this type of persecution. And he lists the kind of persecution that the church and tribulation approach the church uh, can expect to encounter in this life. He lists tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. He goes on to say in verse 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because again, the Apostle Paul is referring to our eternal reward as a result of suffering persecution for our Lord Jesus Christ. But again, that is, um, it's just such a plain passage of scripture that the, the church is appointed to this type of persecution. Um, the Jews, which are going to be part of the church, obviously, they will incur tremendous persecution at the end of the age. And any Christian, Gentile Christian, living in those areas will incur the same kind of persecution, basically. And so that's, again, just the Apostle Paul once again reinforcing the truth to the church that uh, we are um, appointed to persecution in this age. And let's have a look at now what the Apostle Peter taught on that subject. We pick it up in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 to 21. He says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it, if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, you, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And so, again, the, the Apostle Peter speaks the same language as the Apostle Paul on this subject. And he says that the church has been called to suffering. For verse 21, he says, For to this you were called, speaking about suffering for good. For he, verse 20, he says, But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And so, um, it's not, it is really for our, our walk as believers that we will incur suffering in this life because it's believers that will do good and then suffer for it uh, because not, this world is not appreciative of uh, godly lifestyle. We've really uh, mentioned that in the previous teaching. The Apostle Paul was very plain about it. He says anyone desiring to live a godly lifestyle in this life will suffer persecution. And so the Apostle Peter talks about the same thing. And then he uh, puts forward our Lord Jesus as the, the example. He says, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And so the example that we're meant to follow in this area, in fact, we're meant to follow our Lord Jesus Christ in every area, but particularly in this area as well, uh, that 
the area of suffering. Um, in the book of Psalms, the Lord talks about the fact that they returned evil for his hatred for his love um, and evil for the good that he did. And so even though our Lord Jesus Christ came to save the earth and he healed multitudes and he came to set the captives free, by and large, the world did not love him and actually did hate him. And that's why they crucified him. And so our Lord Jesus is again put forward to us as the example of suffering in this area. And the Apostle Peter, very plain, he says that we're called to suffer for Christ. And so it's, you know, there's no doubt that the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul are on the same page in this. Let's have a look at another passage of Scripture. Um, again, the Apostle Peter writing on the same subject. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 19, Beloved, do not think it strange concern, concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are approached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. And so, again, the Apostle Peter is very clear on this in this passage of Scripture. He says, Christians, don't get excited and don't get uh, confused, uh, my paraphrase, when this type of uh, suffering and tribulation comes into your life. Because um, we are called to suffer for our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he talks about, um, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good. And so it, it, it's pretty much... A, 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 a very clear account in Scripture that we're called to suffer for Christ and that we're not to get confused when this type of uh, incident does occur in our lives. And he, he, he expands on it. He says in verse 14, If you are approached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And so, he, again, he's talking about the eternal reward that our Lord Jesus spoke about. We said, when men revile you, exclude you, for my name's sake. You know, great is your reward in heaven. And so the Apostle Peter is talking about the exact same thing. He does uh, differentiate between the type of suffering that the Christian is meant to incur and not meant to incur. But he says, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. And so there is that type of suffering, and Peter admonishes the church we're not to partake of that type of suffering because we're not to partake in that type of lifestyle. But he goes on to say, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 
And so very clearly, the Apostle uh, Peter is quite convinced that as believers, we're appointed to suffering uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in fact to rejoice when it does occur in our lives because it just um, is an indication to us of the glory that has been laid aside for us on our day of judgment when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, the Apostle Peter, as I say, he, uh, teaches um, very similar um, precepts that the Apostle Paul teaches and also that our Lord Jesus Christ has taught us. And so in all three accounts, of all three men so far, the witnesses that we've seen in Scripture, all of them are answering to the affirmative that the church is in fact appointed to suffering. We are called to suffer in this life for doing good, for being Christians, for living a godly lifestyle. That is the, the type of suffering. For all the suffering that um, has been mentioned thus far in the Scriptures has always been linked to the Christian being uh, persecuted for their lifestyle as believers after Christ, um, not for anything else. And we need to, and as we get into the series a little bit more, we will differentiate between the types of suffering that believers can incur and should incur in this life. But so far we've seen very clearly that believers are called to suffer in this life, and uh, the suffering that we incur is always directly linked to our walk as believers in Christ. So have a look at another passage of Scripture. This is um, what was revealed to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. And we pick it up in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 17. Scripture says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Verse 13. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who of these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so, in this passage of Scripture, we're seeing an account for the very first time of the whole church worshipping before the throne of God. This is not just a select few of, saint, of the saints. This is all of them. For he talks about um, uh, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And so this is a picture of the church worshipping before the throne of God for the very first time. 
And then what happens is one of the elders comes across to the Apostle John, who's viewing this uh, in, a, in the vision given to him. And he asked the question, he said, who are these who are arrayed in white robes? And so John says, you know, you know, I don't, kind of, that's the paraphrase. And the elder says, this is, these are those who come out of the great tribulation. And so it's very important for us to understand um, heaven's viewpoint about the life of the believer in this world. They view it as a tribulation, in fact, a great tribulation. And so heaven's view is not that the Christian who lives down here on earth comes out of the great victorious lifestyle. But they talk about coming out of the great tribulation because we are appointed in this life to, to tribulation, to suffering. Now there are seasons, we've dealt with that already in this series, that there are seasons of suffering that our Lord takes us into. And it's not a case of from the time we're born again until the time we die that we will suffer for Christ 24-7. Um, not at all. There are going to be times when we will experience the blessing of God and the, and the glory of God and the victory in our lives. But there are also going to be times when we will experience suffering for our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, even when we're going through the, the victory part of our lives, when, you know, things are going well for us, nevertheless, there's always going to be in the background those who would be against the saints of God. And because we're living in a hostile environment, the God of this world is not appreciative of the saints being in this world. And so his agenda is to kill, steal, and to destroy, to do as much damage to the body of Christ as he can. And so this life, as far as heaven is concerned, is con uh, considered to be the great tribulation. And so we just need to get heaven's perspective on it, um, that it's not going to be a bed of roses. Uh, from the time we're born again until the time we go to be with the Lord. Not at all. There's going to be a lot of thorns along the road, and we need to be prepared for that. And so I want to just now close off on today's teaching with this particular passage of Scripture, because this passage is, is quite pertinent around the subject, are we called to suffer? Um, because, as I said, we've seen very clearly in Scripture that without a doubt, the church is called to suffer in this life. And the scripture that we want to pick up on in this point that I want to address now is in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 to 27. Our Lord Jesus speaking on the subject, and he says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect sake those days will be shortened then if anyone says to you look here is the christ or there do not believe it for false christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect see i have told you beforehand therefore if they say to you look he is in the desert do not go out or look he is in the inner rooms do not believe it for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And so in this particular passage of Scripture, our Lord refers to the Great Tribulation. Now the Great Tribulation that our Lord is referring to is the three and a half year period when the Antichrist sets up his reign in the earth. In context, 
you can uh, pick it up in, in that passage of scripture and obviously in other passages of scripture as well. And so when the Antichrist sets up his reign in the earth from the temple, he is allowed by God to reign on the earth for 42 months, a period of three and a half years. And so our Lord says to us that unless those days had been shortened to that three and a half year period, no flesh would be saved. Because our Lord says that this a period of tribulation will be the greatest thing, amount of tribulation that's ever been encountered in the earth. He says, For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, the time that he was, no nor ever shall be. And so this is going to be the worst period of tribulation that the um, world will ever encounter. And it's going to be this, the Lord's elect, his saints, that will encounter this period of tribulation. No one else will experience the tribulation under the reign of the Antichrist except the elect of the Lord, the saints of the Lord. Now, there is a, a popular theory that is taught in the church today that um, it, it, it's brought under the heading of what is termed as the pre-tribulation rapture. And so what the theory teaches is that when just prior to the Antichrist beginning his reign on the earth, that three and a half year period that the Lord uh, informed us about, that just prior to his reign beginning on the earth, that the church will be taken out of the earth. And the people who go through this great tribulation that our Lord was speaking about, they leave it up to the Jewish nation. They say, well, it's the Jews that will be experience the great tribulation. The church will be taken out and we will not be here to experience the great tribulation. When the end of the Antichrist reign comes to an end, at the end of the three and a half period, then we'll come back to the earth. And so the church avoids this period called the great tribulation. But that's not a, the case at all. There is only one church. Our Lord doesn't have two churches. He doesn't have the Jewish church and then the Gentile church. Uh, Jewish believers are part of the church just as Gentile believers are part of the church. And so the Lord's elect are the Lord's elect. And so they are going to be the Lord's saints who will be on the earth when the uh, reign of the Antichrist begins in the earth. And that is going to be the period of the Great Tribulation. Now, but without a doubt, the, the vast majority of the Lord's saints that will incur that tribulation will be the Jewish believers because the Antichrist will set up his reign from the, the temple in Jerusalem. And so his persecution of the Lord's saints will begin from that location and spread outwards. And so initially it will be the Jewish believers in Israel that will bear the brunt of his persecution, that great tribulation. But that uh, the reign of the Antichrist will spread throughout the earth from that time onwards, over that three and a half year period. Which is why our Lord said, unless his days had been shortened, no flesh would be saved. So what does our Lord mean? It means that had the reign of the Antichrist been allowed to continue unabated in the earth, it would then spread to every corner of the earth. And there would be no flesh saved, meaning that every single one of our Lord's saints would be martyred during that time. And that's why our Lord says no flesh would be saved. Because the Antichrist, during this time, will take the church, the saints, into captivity and will begin to murder them. 
and begin to uh, martyr them. And he, his whole agenda is to stamp out the church of our Lord Jesus. And so the Great Tribulation um, is appointed to the church. Now the theory that teaches that the church will uh, escape this period um, is very popular amongst believers who are very adverse to suffering persecution for their faith in Christ, which is very dangerous because we already saw right at the outset of this series thus far, our Lord spoke about that grouping of believers when he spoke about the sower who sows the word. And he said, there are those who are, do not have any root in themselves. And, those, and so when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word's sake, immediately they are offended, they fall away. And so the believers that um, get taught the theory that you're not going to go through the great tribulation, God's going to take you out of the earth, uh, the Jews will go through the great tribulation, and then God will bring you back to the earth after it's all over. Um, when they go through the great tribulation, they're going to become offended very quickly. Because they've always been taught to believe that they're not to go through this. And so when they do go through it, then our Lord's teaching from the, the so-and-so in the Word will then take effect. And the great falling away will take place. The Apostle Paul said that the, uh, our Lord can't return to the earth until the falling away comes first. That's one of the, 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 the signs that have to take place. And so... As I say, this, this, that particular teaching about the church being taken out of the earth when the, just before the Antichrist begins his reign and the great tribulation occurs in the earth and only gets brought back to the earth after the tribulation period, um, that is a very popular teaching, again, as I say, among believers who are adverse to any form of suffering for Christianity. And so, you know, they'll always gravitate to that. But that's a very dangerous uh, theory to teach the church. Because, as I say, when the church does now, those who have accepted that teaching find themselves in that tribulation period, well, they'll very quickly fall away from falling off the Christ. Because that's, you know, completely against what they've been taught. And so they'll become offended very quickly and they'll no longer serve Christ. What, the, what we need to differentiate um, with regards to tribulation um, and wrath is that there, are, there is the two. And the wrath of God, the church is not appointed to. Uh, you can look at that, that up in the, the, the writing of the letter to the Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul is very plain on that. And so the church is not appointed to wrath, but she is appointed to tribulation. And so what will happen is that after the period of the tribulation, then the church will be taken out. The whole church, Jews and Gentiles alike. It's not just a select few. All of us will be taken out of the earth. It's at that time that the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth. And that is for a period of just short of three years. At the end of that time, the church then comes back to the earth with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, yes, there is the rapture will take place, but it does not take place before the Great Tribulation. It takes place after the Great Tribulation, before the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. And so, as I say, that theory that is taught in the church, in many circles in the church today, it's very popular, but it's popular amongst saints who are very adverse to any kind of suffering for the gospel. Um, saints who suffer for the gospel, they... they, they going through that great tribulation is going to be no different 
to the tribulation they're currently experiencing in the earth today. For there are many of the Lord's saints who are currently being martyred for their faith in Christ. And that will just increase as we draw to the end of the age. And so our Lord is very clear on the subject that that experience of great tribulation are, is what his elect will go through. That's the elect are his church. And as I say, there is only one church of our Lord Jesus. He doesn't have a Jewish church and then a Gentile church. He has one body of Christ, one church, and it's the whole church on the earth at that time that will experience by and large their great tribulation. And so we, in this series so far, we've answered the question very uh, clearly that are we called to suffer as Christians? Most definitely we are called to suffer as believers after Christ. Um, and so what we want to do in the next uh, teaching and maybe over the next couple of teachings is we want to look at specifically what we are called to suffer because it's very important for believers to recognize not only that we're called to suffer, but we need to differentiate between what we're called to suffer for. We've already seen the Apostle Peter referring to the fact that believers should not suffer as murderers, as thieves, as evildoers, as busybodies in other people's matters. And so there are certain things that believers are not called to suffer. But we have seen thus far in the series that our suffering is directly linked to our walk as godly believers in Christ Jesus. For if anyone desires to live a godly life in this life, they will suffer persecution. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.